You're listening to your official ADHA podcast, bringing you an inside look at the latest from ADHA. And now, here's your host. Hello, and welcome to your official ADHA podcast. I'm your host, Matt Crispin, and current ADHA Immediate Past President. Thank you again for joining us this week. I'm going to share a couple of quick updates before we jump into our interview. Um, One, I think it's really important. We've talked about the ADHA Institute for Oral Health, which is the foundation that is part of ADHA that is a foundation really for dental hygienists. I'm really... um, honored this year to serve as immediate past president and I serve as the chair of that institute. And I'm really excited to work with our IOH liaisons from around the country to raise funds and work with each and every one of you to distribute funds in the form of grants and uh, for community service, research, and scholarships to you throughout this coming year. I wanted to share a couple different opportunities with you that will be forthcoming somewhat in the near future. Coming up fairly soon will be some scholarship opportunities and research opportunities for dental hygienists, and I just want people to be aware of those um, opportunities, the release of applications, so that you can mark your calendars and make sure that you apply for these important opportunities for you as dental hygienists or dental hygiene students. Before I talk about the various opportunities that we've had in the past, one new opportunity that I think is really exciting that I want to highlight is a brand new travel grant that we have actually just been put into place. This grant is called the Dental Codology Consortium, or DCC, Trailblazer Travel Grant. And the purpose of this grant is for partial funding for one or more Dental Codology Consortium, or ADHA, members to travel and attend the ADHA's Code Maintenance Committee meetings that are held in Chicago in the spring. Now, of course, we hope that by spring, some of our travels will resume and organizations like ADA's Code Maintenance Committee will meet in person. We hope that that will happen. Um, That has happened virtually this past year. But this is a really great opportunity that's been put together by the Dental Codology Consortium, which is, of course, led by Patty DeGange. And she's put together this fund to help people that are interested in coding, in dental coding. And so this application is now currently available. It became available July 1st, and the recipient selection will happen after November 1st. So just one of those currently available applications that you can certainly take advantage of. All of this information can be found on the ADHA IOH website. And I would encourage you to check back on this periodically because as applications become available, can certainly apply for those as they uh, become live. Another really exciting grant opportunity is our ADHA Community Service Grants. Many of our Community Service Grant recipients have been interviewed as part of this podcast in the past, but those Community Service Grants, uh, for example, the Mars Wrigley Foundation's Healthier Smiles Grant Program, those grants will become available in um, August of 2020. Um, Also, a couple of other opportunities are research grants will become available for applications on November 20th. The deadline is in late February. And along with our community service grants, which I had mentioned before, our two other additional community service grant opportunities. One is the Healthy Start for Texas Teeth Community Service Grant, 
which is available for individuals or local components of the Texas Dental Hygienists Association. So those of you that are out there in Texas, this opportunity is specifically for you. Again, those applications are available November 20 of 2020, and the deadline is late February. And lastly is the Rosie Wall Community Spirit Grant, which will become available in November and that deadline is again in in late February. That is for um, funding for dental hygienists who are involved in specific community health or research projects in the United States. And up to six recipients will be accepted and will will receive one to three thousand dollars in grant monies per recipient. So. Um, One recipient will be from the state of Hawaii, while the others are chosen from the rest of the 50 states. So we hope that you take advantage of some of these opportunities that the ADHA Institute for Oral Health are making available. This past year, we had another really successful year in raising funds, and we hope to continue to grow our institute in years to come. So please consider uh, making a donation, maybe organizing a local fundraiser, your state or local components or constituents might want to think about having some sort of virtual fundraiser in this environment. We've seen a lot of really creative things going on. Um, we've seen virtual fundraisers um, around books. Um, we've seen virtual fundraisers around art nights. Um, so it, we really are uh, give you a lot of kudos for using your resources in this pandemic time to find ways to creatively raise money for the Institute. So we really thank you for that. My guest today on the podcast, Sarah Jackson, is actually one of the members of our scholarship review committees. So I'm really excited to have her joining us today to share a little bit about her journey um, and, and just talk a little bit about kind of things that she's encountered in her life. She's an educator. Um, she's got a great story to tell, and I'm really excited for her to be joining us. I'm really excited to be joined by our guest today, Sarah Jackson, who is a dental hygienist in Washington State. So Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me on today. I'm really honored to be here. So Sarah, you and I met um, a couple of years back, and it's been really exciting to kind of see you grow within your leadership role within ADHA in a variety of different ways. You're also an educator. But maybe if you could just kind of start with sharing with our listeners a little bit about your journey in dental hygiene. Sure, Matt. Um, well, if, if we go way back, I grew up poor with a single mom, uh, but she was going to college while she was raising us. And so I think I learned at a young age the importance of hard work and education. And I fell in love with dentistry back in high school. I had enough credits in high school to, to attend something called Skills Center that a lot of states have. And I was debating between nursing and dental. And uh, a friend of mine's mom was a dental assistant. So I thought, well, we'll try dental for a semester and you know maybe nursing the next. And I fell in love with dentistry. We had this assignment, I remember, where we had to research all the careers in in dental. And I remember, you know, looking at all the different options. And what really stood out to me about dental hygiene is the impact that you could make on patients, that you got to work one-on-one with people and really be able to um, inspire and, and change their lives. And so at a young age, I really knew that's what I wanted to do and started out as a dental assistant, uh, you know, as I went to hygiene school. And during hygiene school, um, sadly, I got into a car accident. I was rear-ended. Several back surgeries later, missing part of my senior year, I went through quite a bit during that process. Um, But I had always thought about going on and getting a master's degree at some point. I taught in Sunday school and I thought, you know, maybe someday when, you know, I'm really old or my back starts hurting or something like that. Well, guess what? That happened to me pretty young. 
And so I had a really, really amazing mentor in my undergrad program who inspired me to pursue a master's degree really early on. And as I was in our TA class, I got to, you know, basically be a teacher to my peers. And that process really just lit a fire in me. And she would come up to me and she would say, you were just born to do this. You were born to do this. And having somebody believe in me that much really just propelled me forward. And right out of undergrad, I went straight through grad school and and got my master's in dental hygiene. And I was the first graduate from the Idaho State University, MSDH. That was before Eastern had theirs, you know, where I am now. And it was such a great experience, such a growing experience and a learning experience. And literally on my way to graduation, I had just been teaching part-time in the clinic. The uh, current department chair, Rebecca Stolberg, who was also a great mentor, called me up and said, hey, you know, we love having you part-time. What do you think about joining? us full-time. And it was just the the most amazing opportunity for me. And that's when teaching start. And I've been there for 15 years now. I've gone through tenure and was clinic lead for a long time. And now uh, my role looks a lot different. I teach a lot in graduate courses and I'm really involved in NARSADA and, and advocacy and ethics. And so it's been kind of a long journey, but a lot of great people have really influenced me along the way. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the common things that I hear from people in both their personal journeys and leadership journeys is there's always the, always those um, really important mentors. And, you know, I think um, it's probably safe to say that there's many that, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now will, you know, be on maybe this podcast or maybe some other opportunity where they're mentioning someone like you that's impacted them. So I think our educators play uh, such a profound role, I think, in who we become their mentorship is just so valuable. So I I really applaud you for, you know, your mentorship in education as an educator to all of those up and coming dental hygienists that are becoming part of our profession. You know, in addition to your role as an educator um, and a dental hygienist, you also have had a journey within ADHA in a leadership way. So could you maybe just talk a little bit about that and how people might want to get involved if they're maybe thinking about that? Sure, Matt, of course. Yeah, I attended my first component meeting years ago um, when our local component um, wasn't really active. I don't think there had been a meeting in probably a year or so. And um, they had been talking about, it was the very beginning of the whole mid-level provider idea. And I, you know, I just thought, wow, this is really interesting. I didn't really know a lot about my association when I was a student. I I never attended anything. I didn't go to HOD or anything as a student. I didn't have that um, fire lit on me at that point. And now fast forward as an educator, I'm sitting in this meeting and I'm thinking, wow, this is really interesting. Look what our association is doing. And so um, at the end of the meeting, I went and talked to our, our trustee, Barbie Lynch, and I said, you know, what is the component doing? What in, And her and I just got talking. And together with some of the other educators, we formed a committee. I started a social media uh, campaign, a Facebook page, and became the component president. And we just took off. We started having CE courses. And it was really, really rewarding. And throughout that process, um, I've been able to serve on the State Association's Member Services Committee. Um, and I've been able to now get more involved in ADHA. I was honored to attend Unleashing Your Potential a couple years ago, which is when you and I got to meet in person. Mm -hmm. And that really inspired me to take on more of a role. And I came back and I became the SADA advisor at Eastern, which I love. I love, love, love getting to inspire the students. And then I'm now serving on the um, Institute for Oral Health Scholarship Committee for ADHA. And so it's been a really neat journey to um, be involved locally with the students, with the component, and nationally with um, ADHA as well. So what advice would you give to someone that, you know, is is maybe an ADHA member, maybe not even an ADHA member that just is interested in getting involved um, at the local level? 
the the first place to start is just like I did. You just go up to a leader at the end of a meeting, come to a component meeting. First of all, you know, if you've got a local component in your area and you can find that out on the ADHA website, you can find your local leaders that you can reach out to and um, just say hi. The neat, the neat thing about it is uh, most of us that are in leadership are always looking for others to mentor and rise up because we need support. We need to have a strong voice. And so I would say just find your local component, reach out, say hi, introduce yourself, just start attending and get involved. And from there, you'll kind of find your gift and how you can how you can plug into the local component and you can grow from there. Yeah, I think it's good advice. I always tell people, you know, when you're looking to get involved in the association, you know, certainly reaching out, asking, just, you know, making that ask to get involved and finding what's right for you to get involved with, you know, don't come to a meeting and let them make you become uh, uh, an officer the first time you're there because you'll just become overwhelmed. But, you know, find those mentors, you know, Barbie's a great example of one that, um, you know, can kind of help you learn what opportunities there are within the association so that you can find that right fit for you. Because, the, you know, not everybody's going to become ADHA president, but the skill sets that people bring um, might make you a really great position within your local or state component, or even at the national level on a committee or a subgroup. So, um, you know, there's certainly a place for everybody within ADHA, which is, I think, you know, what I appreciate most about all the different people that are engaged in it in a variety of different ways. Um, so, you know, obviously we're in the midst of a pandemic and um, it certainly has had an impact on our students and on education, certainly impacting kind of how your school year ended. But maybe just kind of talk about how it's impacted you as an educator and even more so your students. Definitely, Matt. I think this pandemic has impacted everybody a little differently. Um, it was a very abrupt transition for us to fully online learning. And when I tell people that, they look at me like I'm crazy. They, Don't you teach dental hygienists? How on earth do you do that online? And so the neat thing is we have a very creative department chair, Lisa Billick, right now. And, um, you know, along with getting advice and support from her mentors, we immediately just flip-flopped our curriculum all around and moved everything, you know, didactic all of our lectures, moved all of our clinics back and just completely rearranged everything. So for all of us as educators, it was a little bit crazy for a while, um, but I'm really proud of our department. I think we were ready and we've been leaders in the college for, you know, looking to how do we educate healthcare professionals online? And so I think it was, it was challenging, but I think we really came together. The students, I think all adapted differently too. Some of the students really thrive in the online environment. And Matt, some of them mm-hmm. were like, gosh, this is amazing. I can go to school in my pajamas. Yeah. I don't have to get up early. We made sure there was no 8 a.m. <laughs> Zoom calls. I mean, some of them were loving it. And then others, it's difficult. I've taught online yeah. for the grad program for years and it's very much your own motivation, your own time schedule. You've got to be self-motivated and it can be very challenging. So I think we saw a wide variety of, of how people adapted and really mm-hmm. depending on how they were quarantined, you know, if they were quarantined with siblings and they were helping to homeschool, you know, some of us, I'm a mom of two little ones, I was homeschooling, working from home, and some of our students were in the same boat. And and I'm thinking, I can't imagine going to hygiene school and trying to homeschool your kids all at the same time. And so I think that um, 
they did tell us they felt supported. And I think that was the important thing for us as educators was we had to look at the curriculum and I looked at my courses and thought, okay, is there anything in here that we can change and adapt to make this more user-friendly for them to support them? And we really took a good look at our curriculum. And I think we, we did what we could to support them and they felt supported. And I think uh, they are adapting. They're getting used to this environment. They're the, the incoming seniors that are now seniors are very anxious to get back into clinic. And we're hoping that will be in August, but there is still a lot that has to happen before we can do that. Yeah, it's funny that you talk about teaching dental hygiene online. I actually, um, the woman that cuts my hair is a hair uh, uh, instructor for barber cosmetology at one of the technical colleges, and she had to teach online to finish out the semester. And any of you that saw my photos of my COVID haircut, she did the same thing with my wife. She taught her how to do it via FaceTime and helped her cut my hair. So it can be done. (laughs) Um, you know, I think people are resourceful and, um, I think you're right. I think students thrive on it. We had that experience. I think a lot with many of the first time participants in our house of delegates meeting this year who didn't really know any difference. And, you know, they worked in a virtual environment and it was great and they could have dinner with their family and go on about their business. So, um, you know, I think that we've learned a lot certainly, um, in, in, during this pandemic, you know, speaking of virtual environments, you I know that you recently participated in the ADHA virtual conference, along with many of your students. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you just maybe share some of your thoughts and highlights about the meeting? Sure, Matt. It, I was first, first of all, really proud of the association for the the work that they put into the virtual platform was really fun. It was really engaging. You know, being on Zoom for a few months now, that's kind of what I was expecting was just a whole bunch of Zoom calls. And, you know, when you logged in, it felt like you were there, you know, getting to kind of click and enter different rooms and go to the exhibit hall and interact with, you know, I'm messaging our Sonicare, you know, person that I know. And it was like, hey, I'm here too. And so it was really neat to feel like you were there, you know, getting to kind of go back to the good old days where you're like in a chat room with all these professionals. Mm -hmm. That was really neat and really exciting. As an extrovert, I have to say I did miss being in New Orleans and being with everybody in person, as I know we all did. Um, But I think the experience was really neat. And getting to to take 22 students because we were virtual was really amazing. We had our own little chat going and they were asking questions and engaging and getting to log in later and, and catch up on content that they didn't get to see was really neat. So I'm really, mm-hmm. really thankful that we were still able to host a conference. Um, again, I miss New Orleans. I hope we can be together in person in Phoenix. Um, but I think that the virtual platform, it was re- it was much more fun and engaging than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it, people weren't quite sure what to expect because I think, like you said, people were th- expecting uh, three days of Zoom meetings, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, you mentioned your students participated. Do they normally all come to the annual conference as well in person? Definitely not that many. I know that, you know, the most we've maybe had, um, maybe 10 to 12 at one point, you know, usually we're traveling quite a long ways from Washington state. And so, uh, we usually, we have a handful of students that want to go and present a poster. And so we did have about 12 that were planning to attend that had posters prepared and ready to go. And once it went virtual, um, you know, as a SADA advisor, we, I sent an email and said, you know, let SADA will pay for this. Let's use SADA funds to get as many of you there as we can virtually. And I think the only reason more didn't sign up is because they were zoomed out yeah. <laughs> and they didn't know what they were missing out on, unfortunately. Yeah. But, uh, I just think it was a neat experience and it, it gave those that attended really, um, at least a virtual taste of, of just what our association does. And it was really neat. 
Yeah, I, I, I keep encountering this, that there was just so many people that were exposed to the meeting and exposed to what ADHA does that maybe wouldn't have otherwise. So, you know, again, maybe another opportunity for us to continue to capitalize on, which, you know, we'll we'll continue to do. Um, so one of the questions that I always enjoy asking my guests is, what did you want to be when you grow up? I think it always just lends some interesting insight into people. And sometimes you learn something, you know, kind of crazy and interesting about the person that you didn't really know. But so what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, it was funny because I was thinking about this the other day with my kids. You know, we do like the end of the school year signs and they write what they want to be. And at this age, it's like a princess and a superhero. And so I had actually been chatting with my mom about this because I was like, what What did I want to be at this age? You know, and she's like, all I ever remember was healthcare. You were always playing doctor with your Barbies and this and that. And then she had bought me this book that I actually still have. And I read to my four-year-old who also likes to clean her Barbie's teeth, of course, you know, um, called The Tooth Chicken. And it's this book about a chicken who eats too much candy and gets cavities. And I had discovered it one day because my mom saved all these books. And I and I remember and I remember saying to my husband, I think this is the book that inspired me to become a dental hygienist. And he laughed. And I said, I mean, I'm, I'm a health and wellness coach on the side. I love, you know, healthy eating, taking care of yourself, all this stuff. I said, I think this is it. This is the book. And so as, as far back as I could remember, it was like either nursing or dental hygiene. But I think that book was the big turnaround. I had to check with my mom on that when we were having that conversation. It's like, it's funny how the little things can inspire you to, to change your path. And yeah. I think at a young age, I just loved taking care of people and being with, being with people. That's the hardest part of this virtual world we're in. You know, you just want to get out there and be yeah. with people again. Yeah, for sure. Um, so anything kind of throughout your career um, that you're just really proud of? Any accomplishments or highlights that you kind of want to just talk about? Sure. I think as an educator, there there were a lot of really neat firsts when I first started teaching. You know, my first publication in the Journal of Dental Education, my first presentation, the first time I got to present at ADHA nationally, that was a huge deal. Um, and then, of course, my first international presentation where I saw you as well in Australia, mm-hmm. um, you know, presenting on yoga in the dental hygienist um, at the IFDH uh, Symposium mm-hmm. Internationally. So I think there's a lot of little things like that. Not little, they're big. Big things that I'm really proud of as an educator, um, you know, receiving a merit for for teaching excellence. There's just been so many moments. But the I think the biggest thing that I, I get the most proud of over my own accomplishments is seeing those accomplishments of others. My students last year brought me a little sign for my office that says, we rise by lifting others. And that that's kind of been my life's MO. When I see a student that's been struggling with some thing that finally gets it, that accomplishment feels bigger to me than an international presentation, you know, just to be able to make an impact on that, that student. So I think as an educator, they happen all the time. There's a lot of, there's ups and downs, like any, any profession, you know, we get exhausted and and we're like, oh my gosh, private practice would be better. I could go home at five and not have to check email (laughs) and grade papers. And, but then you get this email from a student that you've changed their life and you just go, this is worth it. This is so worth it. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's so um, interesting that you mentioned Australia. My wife and I were just talking this past weekend, and I said, gosh, can you just imagine that like a year ago, about this time, we were, 
you know, pretty close to getting ready to be leaving to go for, I mean, we were there for almost three weeks Mm. um, in Australia and it just, how much has changed. And I thought, gosh, what I would do to just go on a really cool trip somewhere right now, but uh, zero desire to set foot on an airplane right now. That's for sure. But um, just, you know, that was a really great experience and, you know, getting to see so many hygienists from the U S there presenting Mm. and, you know, whether it be a poster or an oral presentation, um, it was really great, you know, talk about um, other meetings to look forward to. I really hope that um, things are back to normal back by the time uh, IFDH is in Ireland, which will be another really fantastic meeting. Yes, as a redhead, that I made that my mission. When I found <laughs> out we were in Ireland, I said to my colleague, Lori Spear, her and I present a lot together. And I said, okay, yeah. we have a few years. What are we presenting on in Ireland? <laughs> so I hope yeah. so, too. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. It's uh, some some place that I've certainly always wanted to visit. Um, so definitely a good reason to get there is to to get out there for the meeting and then spend some extra time there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, we certainly have a little bit of time left. Is there anything else that you maybe want to kind of chat about? Anything that kind of interests you or things that you enjoy? Well, I think a couple of things um, that I know for, you know, as an educator, something that's really on a lot of our minds right now is just like the future of our profession. The future, you know, our students are asking these questions, you know, what does, what does being a dental hygienist look like right now? And I think people are scared or they're nervous or they're unsure. And, you know, of course, with everything going on with patient exams and, you know, having to find a live patient in some states, of course, um, advocating for alternatives and thanks to this ADHA policy that we have now that we can advocate advocate for that. And I got to testify on behalf of that change as well. And I really hope to see that happen in Washington so that our students can um, can have an alternative to that live patient exam and get licensed and get out there. And um, we're, we're not quite there yet, but Washington has been a leader. So I'm waiting for us to rally. Uh, but I think something that I just want to encourage, you know, students or even those that are practicing in dental hygiene right now and are kind of, you know, just unsure about what's happening in our profession, um, that there are so many amazing things you can do as a dental hygienist. I know when I went to school, I thought, I'm just going to, I want to be a private practice dental hygienist. They want to have kids right away, work a few days a week. And, you know, life had completely different plans for me. We didn't have kids till 10 years later. I became an educator and all these things. And I just think that especially with advanced degrees that we have now, there's so many opportunities, you know, researcher, entrepreneur, administrator, advocate, uh, public health. I know a lot of our new um, master's degree graduates are thinking of all these really neat out of the box places they want to apply. And they think as a dental hygienist, I could be valuable here or valuable there. And so I think, you know, it's a, it's a hard time for a lot of people, but I think it can also be a very inspiring time and a very positive time. If we kind of just take a minute it to look at all the the options that we have around us. I think it's yeah, it's kind of neat. Yeah, I I tell people that all the time. I think it's a really exciting time to be a dental hygienist. I think um, we're starting to see more and more dental hygienists work in um, various settings. You know, I I always refrain from using the term non traditional or alternative settings mm-hmm. because I think there'll be a time in the future where that will be traditional is where you might get dental hygiene services, not in a dental office. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you might get it at your physician's office or um, in a nursing home or a- any other number of places where dental hygiene services are starting to be provided. So there's certainly a lot of opportunities out there for hygienists and, you know, certainly engaging in the various um, 
you know, advocacy efforts that ADHA has, whether it be at the association level or advocating for state policy or, or federal policy change is certainly really important. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so thanks for sharing that. Anything else that you want to chat with our listeners about before we wrap up? Sure. I think the other thing is just, um, you know, beyond the advocacy piece that we've talked about a little bit and how important it is to be involved, that you don't have to be the one to march the Capitol, but just being a member of your association makes a huge difference. And that gives us a voice. And that's how we get to, to make an impact and make those changes. Um, the other part of that is is leadership. I think it took me a lot of years to see myself as a leader. And it wasn't until a lot of people kept saying, well, you're a leader in this. And I kept going, me, I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. And I think a lot of dental hygienists feel that way. And something I want to say is every single dental hygienist is a leader. And it doesn't matter if you're just, if you're in private practice with your patients, you are a leader. It doesn't matter what role you have. Like you said, whether that's, you know, in in a clinical setting or in a different setting, we're all leaders. And I think that, um, you know, we talked about getting involved and if that's something that you're feeling, you know, maybe that pull for, but you're nervous, just know that everybody's journey is different. And that's something that I took away from unleashing your potential. My favorite, my favorite quote from um, past president, Michelle Brayerman was, um, not everybody will understand your journey. That's okay. It's not theirs. It's yours. Mm-hmm. She said it better mm-hmm. than that, but something along those lines. And that, <laughs> that's always encouraged me that, you know, a lot there, everybody, like you said, not everybody is going to be an ADHA president, but there are so many neat places where there's a need. And there's so many amazing leaders out there in our profession that just need that little bit of pull to step up and step out of their comfort zone. And that's where the real magic happens. That's where the growth happens is just trying something new, reaching Reaching out, taking on something new, saying hi, but then also knowing your limits and knowing when your journey and when your timing is right. And that's something that I've struggled with. It's like, you know, when do I want to pursue, you know, more leadership in the state or the national level? And, you know, just knowing that your timing is going to be your timing and that's when you'll shine. But don't be afraid to step yeah. out. I think that's something that uh, I wish people would have said to me even younger and younger, you know, don't be afraid to step out because it's really rewarding outside your comfort zone. It's scary, but it's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always tell people, you know, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I think if if you're not, then you're you're kind of where you are. And I think um, I think you give great advice that, you know, everybody's journey is going to be a little bit different. There's different times that are right for everybody. And it's got to be right for you personally. It's got to be right for your family, your employer, um, all of those things you know, come at the right time. And when it happens, it'll happen. And it does, mm-hmm. you know, it, for everybody, it's at a different point in their lives, certainly. So, um, well, I really appreciate you taking some time today. And I hope that you get to enjoy the rest of your summer uh, before you get back to school. I know it's been kind of your schedule has been kind of shifted around and um, but certainly appreciate all the great work that you do as an educator and a leader in your state. And, um, you know, even your work on the national level with IOH is really appreciated. So, so thanks a lot. Thank you so much again for having me, Matt. It's been a pleasure. I'm really glad that Sarah could join us today and that you could hear a little bit about some of the work that she's done as an educator. She's certainly very passionate about research, has been a presenter both at the state level nationally and now internationally in Australia at this past year's IFDH meeting. So I'm really glad that she was able to spend a little bit of time with us today and and share a little bit with you about her journey in dental hygiene and also in her journey in regards to ADHA. 
As I close, I want to just encourage you as dental hygienists to continue to use the very valuable resources that ADHA continues to produce. Um, Certainly, our website is a wealth of information. As I mentioned today, you should certainly check out the Institute for Oral Health's website. Of course, please continue to follow our COVID Resource Center, which is adha.org forward slash COVID-19, where we will continually update all of the important work that our association is doing in response to the pandemic. And as we move throughout the year, I will continue to highlight various aspects of the website that might become useful to you or might be a useful resource to you and maybe have something there that um, you didn't realize was available or that you didn't realize that ADHA had already compiled or that another organization has compiled and we've made available to you through our partnerships with them. So again, our our website's a great resource. Um, Please continue to follow us on social media. Please continue to reach out to me. I I enjoy hearing from you. My email address is mattc at adha.net. If you have an idea for an episode or you're interested in being on the podcast, certainly reach out to me. I'd love to have you. Um, But as always, continue to think outside the box, be comfortable with being uncomfortable, and continue to imagine what the future of dental hygiene can look like. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of your official ADHA podcast. Be sure to join us next Tuesday to hear more from the ADHA and their guests.